0: The Lord be with you. you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up, up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you, if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our theme this year for Lent is Let Us Pray. And I asked many of you on Ash Wednesday, and I'll ask you again this morning, raise your hand if you'd like to have a closer connection to God. Keep your hand up if you would like to grow in your life of prayer. Right? So that's why we're going to do it. We're going to spend a lot of time this Lent focusing on prayer. On Wednesdays, when we gathered for either our 12 o'clock or our 7 o'clock Eucharist, we're going to have a school of prayer. We're going to listen to some of the great saints of the church teach us lessons on prayer. We're going to learn of some of the great traditions of prayer. There's different ways to pray. And we're going to learn some of these traditions, and while we're in worship, we're going to take a chance to practice it. We're going to experience these different forms of prayer. On the weekends, we're going to talk about essential attitudes of the heart for prayer. And starting today, we're going to look at the, I think, the most foundational one of all, which is trust. Prayer requires trust, because when I pray, what I'm doing is I'm taking everything and I'm putting it in the hands of the Father. Do you trust your Father? Well, yes, of course I do. Well, that's the correct answer. Is it the right answer? Is it the honest answer? Do you totally trust your Father? Well, of course we don't. Because if we totally trusted our Father, then we would totally obey Him. We would believe that our Father's will for us, everything he ever asks us to do, is for our greatest good. For It's for our ultimate happiness. It's for our deepest fulfillment. We would believe that, and then we would do it. We would obey him. And see, I think, tend to think, if I want all that kind of stuff, oh, no, 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 listen. Nobody's going to give it to me. I've got to get it for myself. I've got to go grab it. I can't rely on anybody else, not even God. Okay, so we have some trust issues. And there may be some very good reasons for our trust issues. Maybe life has been difficult, painful, tragedy that you've experienced. And so you ask some very fair questions of God, like, where are you? Why would you let this happen? Why don't you answer me? Or maybe it's been the people in your life that you should have been able to trust, but they betrayed you abandoned you, abused you. These are people who should have been like God to you, like a parent or a spouse, a close friend. And you find yourself saying, well, then I don't trust anybody, including God. You take that distrust, you take your pain, and you just transfer it to him. And then, of course, there's each of us as individuals. There's me. I mean, I know... Deep down, I know what I'm capable of, the horrible things I've done and can do, the the attitude of my heart, selfish, ulterior motives. You know where that leaves me? I'm suspicious of y'all. I'm suspicious of God. Why? Because I don't trust myself. And if I can't trust myself, then how can I trust you, or how can I trust God? Okay, so there might be some good explanations as why we don't trust. But why do we always go negative? Why, are we always, why do we always want to point to what's wrong in my life or, or what I don't have? And then we take that and we use that as an excuse and we play the victim and we use that to justify, well, see, that's why I can't trust God. Why don't we look at what God has given to us? Why don't we look at what we do have? All the good things, like that breath you just took. I mean, make a list, an inventory of all the good things in your life. I mean, you can even look at the struggles and the sufferings of your life as opportunities for you to grow as a person. Why don't we look at that? Why don't we look at the good things? There's so many good things in our life, and they've all been given to us by our Father. Why don't we trust Him for that? We're like the kid, I'm sure you've seen this scene. You ever go to the pool in the summer? The kid who's standing on the edge of the pool and won't get in. He's scared, right? We're like strapped with every imaginable floaty attached to our arms and our waist. So many that if like we actually jumped in the water, we'd sort of boom, bounce off the water. Won't ever get wet. And our father's down in the water. Come on, get in it'll be fine. I'm going to catch you. Trust me. I won't let anything happen to you. We're going to have so much fun in the pool. Come on, get in. Nope, not going to do it. Can you trust your father? That's at the heart of the two temptations we hear in the first and in the last readings today. Satan puts it this way to Adam and Eve, you're not going to die. God knows if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like him. He's a jealous rival. He's actually threatened by you. He's not giving you what's best. He's keeping it from you. He puts it this way to Jesus, if you are the son of God, why? Because the scene right before this is Jesus' baptism. And the Father had called down from that voice in heaven and said, You are my Son, whom I love. I am so pleased with you. Really? You're his Son? He loves you? Well, then why, Jesus, did he put you out here in the middle of nowhere? Drove you by his Spirit out into this desert to starve. Will his angels really catch you? Why do you have to suffer and die to save the world? You know what? Bow down and worship to me, me, and I'll give it to you right now. Easy peasy. The contrast, though, in these two stories, these two temptation accounts, it's, it's fascinating. Adam and Eve have got it easy. Let's just be honest. They've got it easy. They got it good. They were given everything. Now, we always focus on the one thing that God didn't give them. Why did he do that? No, no. Think about it the other way. God gave them everything else. He gave them life. He gave them each other. He gave them himself. He gave them this lush, tropical paradise of a garden that is full of delicious food. They had everything. And don't trust God because of one thing. Now contrast that with Jesus. who's in the middle of not a garden full of food. He's in the desert and he has no food. He's starving for 40 days and 40 nights. Pretty soon he would die of starvation. Everything has been stripped away from him. He has absolutely nothing except one thing. Only one thing. His Father. And he trusts him. Because Jesus wants to show us, even in the most extreme circumstances where there is nothing else, he wants to show us, my father, your father can be trusted. Now that battle scene was soon over, but the war raged on and Satan just intensified the conflict, kept bombarding Jesus. You can find this same question, this same temptation in a lot of the stories in the New Testament, in the Gospels, until you finally get to the final battle scene at the cross, and Satan has now sent his foot soldiers, his lackeys. They're standing around Jesus. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. He said he trusts in God. Well, then let God deliver him, if God even wants him. He said, I'm the Son of God. In his agony and dying, Jesus is now being pushed to the even to an even further extreme, to the the furthest extreme of all. Everything looks lost. Where is your God, Jesus? Where is your Father? Can you really trust him? Does he really love you? I don't know. I think he's abandoned you. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is actually a prayer of trust. Did you hear it? My God, my God. He's hanging on. My God. He won't let go. My God. He will not let anything separate him from the Father. My God. Jesus is praying. He's trusting his Father. Even with his very last breath, he trusts that his Father is not going to abandon him in that grave. Does he abandon him? No. Of course not. We know where we're headed. We're going to Easter. He raises him from the dead. The Father is trustworthy. The, the Father. The Father is faithful always. Even when it seems like absolutely everything else is lost. The resurrection of Jesus is the definitive answer. Yes. Your Father can be trusted. I asked you to raise your hand if you want to grow in your life of prayer. If you do, you've got to grow in trust. And that's hard. It's hard for us to trust. How do we do that? It's not a matter of just sheer willpower. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to us. But here's what we can do. Number one, listen. Before we talk in prayer, we need to listen. Listen to the voice of your Father. Let him speak into that distrustful heart of yours. I want you right now, in fact, to hear his voice. Don't hear my voice. I'm just the servant. I want you to hear him speak to you. Trust me. I love you. I want and I will do what's good for you. Trust me. And second, ask. Now talk. Pray, Father, help me trust you. Pray to trust more. And then you will trust and pray more. It's a beautiful cycle. The third thing, then, is act. Make an act of faith. Father, I trust you. I put my life, I put this situation in your hands. I know you will do what is best for me. I trust you. And then let go of it. See, faith and trust are a lot like love. We think that love is a feeling. That's why we don't act, because we don't feel like it. No, no, no. Love, love is a choice of your will. Because I can choose to do the loving thing. I can choose to do something good even if I don't feel like it. Trust is the same way. Don't wait to act and to trust when you feel like it. Choose to trust. So let us pray. Let's take this to prayer. First, listen. Listen to his voice. Trust me. Second, ask. Father, help me trust you. Third, act. Father, I trust you.